Hey guys, welcome to Pickled Parables. My name's Jesse. Today we're going to look at Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to explore the first 10 verses. But, you know, I, I realized as I was recording this that I was running out of time, uh, so we, we kind of end up skimming the last four verses, and that's, that's my bad. There was just there's some cool things in there that we could have explored. I I just mismanaged my time, so sorry. Uh, but the goal for this lesson is to understand Paul's commitment to the gospel. This is the first time Paul directly mentions who within the church is opposing the gospel and what specifically they're promoting. So the theme uh, of this lesson is about how the gospel is complete in its message and how all of the apostles were in agreement with the content of that message. So let's uh, jump into the text. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul set up a defense for why his authority should be respected and why the message that he had shared with the people in Galatia was absolute and didn't need anything to be added to it. And so near the end of chapter 1, he addresses what what appear to be specific accusations against him by explaining his call by God to preach to the Gentiles And then he detailed how his first interactions with the apostles in Jerusalem went. So now, as we enter chapter 2, Paul continues this defense by explaining another interaction that he had with the apostles in Jerusalem and how they ended up agreeing with and affirming the message that Paul had been sharing with the Gentiles, which gives further proof that Paul was an accepted peer, and that his message was on point. So chapter 1 and a good chunk of chapter 2 is about Paul establishing the reason and the evidence for his call to apostleship and why the gospel that he preaches is absolute and complete. So Paul starts chapter 2 by giving the setup for this second encounter that he has with his fellow apostles. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. You know what? Yeah, let let me just add here before we we go on and actually study these verses. Uh, When I talk about different chapter numbers and, and verses... I'm using them as a reference. When, when this was written, when Galatians was written, it, it wasn't structured with chapters and verses. It's written like a, a letter that has continuous thoughts. And so chapters and verses, they were added to it at a, a later time in order to help people like us study it the way that we're studying it. Chapters were added first. They were added by a guy named Stephen Langton. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury in AD 1227. And he just, 
He wanted to help people navigate their way through the Bible. And then several years later, a, a Jewish rabbi named uh, Nathan, he, he, he added verses to what we would call the Old Testament. And then another guy, named, uh, well, he was known as Stephanus. I, I forget his, his name, but he was known as Stephanus. He liked Nathan's idea, and so he took Nathan's idea and he added it to the New Testament. And, and so again, the, the idea that these guys had was that they wanted to help people navigate and, I guess, refer to different parts of the Bible so that everyone reading it could be on the same page. Now, in that type of service, chapters and verses are a a wonderful, a wonderful thing. But when we forget that and consider them to be like biblical content, we put too much of an emphasis on them. And they begin to distort and, and cause a hindrance in how we read the Bible. Chapters and verses don't always fit the flow of a book, especially letters, uh, epistles. And so they can cause people to stop reading in the middle of a thought or uh, in a story if it's a historical narrative. And it just it becomes an interruption. So I, I, just, I wanted to pause and, and take a minute to make sure that you're aware that chapter and verse divisions, they are not God-breathed and inspired. They were added to the Bible in order to help people find different places in it. Because really, it's a big book <laughs> that has smaller books in it. So I, I just I want to provide clarity with that uh, before we move on. Because I, I, I do use them, uh, especially in teaching. And so I just, I just want that to, to be made clear. Uh, now, as Paul gives the setup for his next visit in Jerusalem, he starts talking about a time that fits really well with a historical account that's recorded in Acts chapter 11. Uh, this is after Paul's first visit to Jerusalem. Uh, and when he left that time, he went, he traveled to Tarsus in Cilicia, and he stayed there for a while. But we find out in Acts chapter 11 that a guy named Barnabas went to go find Paul and bring him back. This is Acts chapter 11, verse 22. Uh, the report of this, oh, uh, which the report of this, it, it's, it's, that's context that would take a lot to explain. I guess, uh, simply put, uh, a lot of people in a certain place were declaring themselves followers of Jesus, or followers of the way, with a capital W. So, uh, the report of this uh, came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch, the certain place, and when he came and saw the grace of God, Barnabas was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. This was before he was uh, referred to as Paul. And when he had found him, Barnabas brought him back to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So Barnabas went to find Paul in order to bring him back and help with the church leadership 
in Antioch. It, it, it Still, in Acts 11, it says in verse 27, Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them was named Agabus. He stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius, the Roman emperor. So the disciples determined that everyone, according to his ability, should send relief to the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders there by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So again, this was before Saul started going by Paul. But Paul and Barnabas traveled to Jerusalem carrying uh, what you could call a relief package for the saints there. Now, when Paul talks about this in his letter to the Galatians, he says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 1, Then after fourteen years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation, and I set before them, uh, though privately, before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. So Paul says that this is 14 years later. And, and I'll share with you, I'm, I'm uncertain if this is 14 years after Paul's conversion, or if it's 14 years after his first visit to Jerusalem uh, that he talked about in chapter 1. I'm, I'm uncertain because uh, it, it could easily be either one. And I don't want to be dogmatic with something that is this optional. But I guess just so that you know, I tend to lean towards Paul's conversion as the starting point for this number because it fits the immediate context a little better in how he talks about his conversion in chapter 1. And he really uses that as a launching, uh, launching pad. And he shares events that come after it. He says things like, After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas in chapter 1, verse 18. Uh, And then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas in chapter 2, verse 1. So it it just, it seems to fit better with Paul's conversion as the starting point. But again, it's it's not a hill I would die on. It's just, just know that for this lesson, I'll be presenting it with that viewpoint. So after 14 years, Paul makes his way back to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and he takes along with him a young guy named Titus. So let's talk about these two guys. Barnabas was known as the son of encouragement. I believe that's what Barnabas meant. And as we read in Acts chapter 11, he was a good man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was filled with faith. And Barnabas had a history with Paul. In fact, the first time Paul went to Jerusalem... Nobody in the church wanted to see him because they thought that it was a trap. I mean, he he was a a persecutor of the church before his conversion, so it makes sense why they would have been scared. But Barnabas took Paul and he advocated for him and helped arrange meetings for people to meet with him. And it was Barnabas who also went looking for Paul in order to have him come help with the church in Antioch. So Barnabas was a man filled with faith and ready to work with a scary guy who had formerly made a living hunting Christians. So that just tells you everything you need to know about him. (laughs) 
the other guy, Titus. Uh, now, he's not mentioned in the Acts account, but he wouldn't need to be because Paul and Barnabas were considered leaders in the church at Antioch, and they were the men of leadership who took the relief package to Jerusalem. So Titus wouldn't need to be mentioned in the official account of Acts because it's not necessary to mention him. But Paul says that he took Titus along with him in this letter because he ends up using Titus as an example and proof in his his defense, his personal defense of the gospel that he preached. But it's good for us to know, Titus was a young Gentile, young Gentile man who worked with Paul in different areas and he was being trained up by Paul to become a teacher. So again, in Galatians 2, 1 through 2, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation, and I set before them, though privately, before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. So the reason given for this trip to Jerusalem was because of a revelation. And this corresponds to Acts chapter 11, where it talks about a prophet named Agabus who prophesied about a famine. <clears throat> uh, this is Acts eleven twenty-seven. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and he foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined that everyone, according to his ability, should send relief to the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders there by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So they go to Jerusalem to deliver a relief package in order to help prepare for when the famine came. And while they were there, Paul approaches some people who, quote, seem to be influential, unquote. So we can assume that this could have involved Peter, maybe James, Jesus's brother, uh, and, and others, really whoever might have been there. So Paul approaches them for the purpose of affirmation. I set before them the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Now, this, this doesn't mean that Paul was having second thoughts about the gospel or even fearing that he had preached an inaccurate message. Paul wanted to be confirmed and his message affirmed because those of the circumcision party, as they're known, were, they were promoting something different within the church. And so Paul wanted to be in agreement with the leaders in Jerusalem in the face of these competitive ideas. And we see that in verse 3. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission for even a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. 
now these these couple of verses are important, but also difficult to analyze because there's run-on sentences and multiple ideas within each other. So we'll we'll approach this thought by thought. The first thing is about Titus. That's verse three. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he were a Greek. So this was the competitive idea that Paul was trying to kick back against. The, the circumcision party wanted to accept the Gentiles as proselytes who received circumcision. And that is really what this letter is addressing. Paul gives a defense for himself he gives a defense for his message, and then he spends the rest of this letter uprooting the circumcision party's teachings from the Galatian churches, who happen to be Gentiles. So he uses Titus here as an example, showing how the Jerusalem leadership worked in agreement to keep Titus from receiving circumcision. Now, if you're unaware of what circumcision is, you should, uh, you should go ask your mom. Or, you know, better yet, maybe, maybe go ask your dad, and they can explain it to you. <laughs> but actually, we will take time to address the biblical practice of circumcision in a, a later lesson. For, for the sake of time today, we're, we're going to save that conversation for another time. We might just take a whole lesson to talk about it because it's a repeated subject that comes up in Galatians. So I guess stay tuned for our lesson on circumcision. (laughs) But back to our text for, for now. Titus is spared from being circumcised despite a strong push from the opposing party. Paul says in verse 4, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. Now, I want you to first notice the description that Paul uses as he mentions these people. Rather than the men of influence, or depending on the translation you're reading, the men of reputation, that Paul wanted affirmation from, Paul calls these people false brothers. So there's a a clear distinction between these people. He says that these false brothers were brought in to secretly spy out the freedom that they had in Christ, and they had a goal of taking people away from that freedom and put them into slavery. So these people They must have appeared to have been Orthodox Jewish Christians, but their beliefs became exposed when the topic of Gentile salvation was brought up, because their understanding of salvation came from performing works of the law. They clearly did not believe that salvation was offered as a gift by the grace of Christ. So Paul calls them false brothers. And remember, the term brother or sister, especially in this context, is referring to fellow believers. So essentially, he's calling them fake believers, false brothers. The freedom that comes from Christ in their mind was thought of as like enemy territory, something that they needed to go and spy out 
and they wanted to capture it and enslave it. They wanted to make Gentiles proselytes to Judaism. And again, uh, just for clarification, Gentiles were people who were not Jewish. So they wanted to Judaize the Gentile Christians. But Paul said, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, to them we did not yield in submission for even a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So Paul explains that he defended the message that he preaches to people in Jerusalem, and he was not only successful in that defense, but he was supported by the men of influence. So this is a high moment of victory that Paul wants to communicate to the Galatians because it demonstrates the accuracy of his message and it adds weight to his personal defense. Now, I want to add here, yeah, we have time. I want to add here uh, uh, a, a time when Paul did approve of circumcising a young man. This is from Acts chapter 16. We're told about a man named Timothy. So I'll I'll read it. This is from Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, those are cities, and a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul took Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now, I want to mention this, because this is a separate a uh, separate event that happened, uh, I believe, later, after uh, the, this uh, story that Paul is talking about, Titus. This happened after that. So it's a separate event that seems similar to, to what's talked about in Galatians, but it has different results, right? Titus was not circumcised, but Timothy was. So I'll quickly list the reasons for why Timoth- Timothy was uh, circumcised and why Titus was not. So the first reason is Timothy was partly Jewish, uh, but Titus was completely Greek. Also, secondly, Timothy was not being circumcised to be saved or Judaized. He was circumcised in order to help reach unsaved Jews because he joined Paul's ministry of preaching in Jewish synagogues. And Paul explains this mindset in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, For though I am free from all, talking about the freedom of Christ, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I, be, I, I became a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being under the law. But I did that so that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law, 
not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Now, Titus was not circumcised because this wasn't for the sake of other people. This was considered a means for his salvation. And Paul knew that there was no salvation outside of or in addition to Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, something Paul wrote. Paul knew that if Titus was forced to be circumcised, then the grace of Christ would have been rejected, and the freedom that they had in Christ would have become slavery. And the the gospel that Paul preached was universal and multicultural in nature. It was for everyone. And Paul didn't want one culture to dominate over the others, and he especially didn't want anything to be added to the sufficient work of Christ. So he he wasn't being anti-Jewish. He himself was a Jew. He was protecting Jesus' declaration of go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And this gospel message that he was preaching, it was verified and it was approved by the apostles. Galatians 2, verse 6. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential, they added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, or to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, the Jews, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship that we should go. Oh, they, sorry. They, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. So the conclusion from this statement is that Paul and Peter and all of the apostles, they were preaching the same message to different people. The men of influence, they didn't add anything to Paul. They didn't take anything away from Paul. They gave him the right hand of fellowship signifying friendship and trust. They all had the same source of authority. It all came from God. And they were partnering together with that understanding. Paul was preaching 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. This was an important moment for the early church because there were a lot of competing ideas popping up within the the different churches. Some were caused by a syncretistic push of intermixing cultures, and some were caused by selfish desires for personal power. Something that Paul says at the end of this letter is, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised, they do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. So something that these false brothers wanted was influence over others. And that's just another way of saying personal power. But Paul makes it clear that the gospel is complete and approved by the apostles. They were preaching the same message to different people. And, you know, it's, it's hard work to shepherd a multi-ethnic community of people who have very strong cultures. But Paul was up for the task, and something that he had to establish was the absolute power of Jesus' gospel. So Paul's defense is long and detailed because he is trying to establish that truth. Next week, we'll start the transition from defense to correction as we look to uh, the rest of Galatians chapter 2. So until then, I'll catch you later.